0: It's great to be with you this morning. Um, If you're a young child and would like to head to the uh, kids' class, you're welcome to go and they all run out. I don't blame you. I'd get out of here too. No, it's not that bad, is it? Of course not. No, this morning we're continuing our way through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, starting at uh, verse uh, 35. And um, we've just seen Jesus teaching on the parables, um, instructing both the crowds and then his disciples separately, and now we're going to see where where do things go from there, and it's a very memorable story, one that you're probably familiar with. Uh, Let's look, verse 35, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side, and leaving the crowd, he took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and And there was a great calm, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, who is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this day, and pray that through it, and through our Meditation on it this morning, and our time in your word that you would be at work in our hearts, helping us to learn to trust you. It's not easy. We're so prone to trust in ourselves. Would you help us this day to learn to trust you more and more? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a really bad storm out in the water, but there's something about being on a storm in the water that makes it like a hundred times worse than being on land. I Remember, I was probably in middle school, I think, when me and my dad, he had taken me sharking, which if you're not familiar, you're not from Savannah, and you go out and you try to catch sharks, okay? So we were out in a place called the Wassaw Sound, which is off a little bit of the coast of Georgia, but it's inside the barrier islands but it's also a big enough body of water that if you're out in the middle of it, you can't really see land in any direction, and it can get really rough um, whenever things stir up and it gets windy or storms come along. And we were out there enjoying the day, and we saw off in the distance some clouds coming. My dad had grown up on the water enough to know that it was time to head back to my grandparents' um, dock, which was probably a good 45 minutes, probably away from where we were at that point. So we start heading back, but as we start heading back, The wind starts picking up. Um, It starts getting incredibly choppy, and we're going along, boom, boom, boom. We're in a relatively small, like John boat, with a little outboard motor on the back, maybe eight, ten feet. I I don't really know how big it was, but not a very big boat at all. And it starts getting rough. Um, And the waves start picking up. And then the rain starts. And I don't know if you've been out on a boat in the rain, but there's something about it that makes it incredibly painful. The same rain, for some reason, can hit you while you're walking around out here. But if you're out in a boat, it hurts. And so the rain starts hitting, and you can barely see. And my dad tells me wisely, "Get down. Just lay down in the boat and think." You know, and I'm kind of covered up and just kind of you know hunkering down for dear life, I guess. And I'm feeling the rain pelt and the water starting to slosh around around me a bit and and I can just feel the front of the boat like at times just kind of picking up I guess as we're going into the wind and you know I feel like we're like going like this but we're probably just barely up who knows. It was probably not nearly as terrifying as I remember it Um, but I do though it must have been pretty terrifying because I remember looking back at my dad in the midst you know as he's trying to navigate us trying to make sure that he knew where to go to get us back to safety and I remember there being fear on his face. As we look at our passage this morning, I want us to not forget, and sometimes we can, they, they just come stories that we remember. This, this is a real story that really happened. And the disciples some 2,000-ish years ago were really terrified on this day. Let's not forget that As we look at the the passage uh, this morning, they're they're on the Sea of Galilee. And if you're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, there's places where you you can't see necessarily any land when you really get out in the middle of it, okay? And they're in a relatively small boat, not as small as the one me and my dad were on, maybe about 25-ish feet long, about seven feet wide, about four inches deep. It could just hold the 12 people that were in it, maybe as much as 15 people wasn't a big boat at all, and they're going across the sea. Now, I don't want to make this into a geography or meteorology lesson uh, this morning, and I don't really know much about either anyway. Um, But suffice it to say that the, the Sea of Galilee is perfectly perched under sea level with some high mountains and stuff around it, so that really bad storms can erupt very quickly. It's not uncommon to have this kind of windstorm like we have described here in our passage just pop up seemingly out of nowhere, especially in the afternoon and the evening time. With that in mind, let's look at the text. What, what, what goes on? Let, let's look at how it starts off in verse 35. What, is, what does Jesus say? He says, let us go across to the other side. And the disciples, they uh, uh, obediently, they, they joyfully follow him and they take the boat uh, with him just as he is. Now, the disciples, many of them are master fishermen. They, they've been on the Sea of Galilee a lot. They, they, they know the sea well. They're very equipped. They've been in many a storms, no doubt. And yet they seem confident to go across the sea even in the evening, a time where it might be more likely that they might run into something. Did they know it was coming? We, we just don't know. Maybe they had the idea that Jesus was with them, so they would be fine, but we don't know. But I think the important thing for us to take from this moment is that they are following Jesus' command, following his lead, and it's Jesus' lead that leads them right into the storm. Now, sometimes we hear this passage, and you might hear it preach something like, Jesus can calm the storm or the storms in your life. He can do that, but he doesn't always do that. What I think we see more in this passage is that Jesus is actually leading the disciples into the storm. And he's leading them into the storm because they need to go through the storm. It's a discipleship opportunity for the disciples. It's an opportunity for them to actually grow and mature. The storm is not by accident. So Jesus leads them right in to the storm. And as we think about that, we need to to be careful because when we hear God leading us into storms, Jesus leading us into storms, sometimes we're a little uncomfortable with that because what we actually do is we tend to put promises on God that he has never made to us. And we assume that he's promised us things that he never has. And we assume that he's promised us things like a happy and healthy life. Now, there are moments and there are times, sometimes long periods, where he lets us enjoy happy and healthy lives, right? But then we also see at times our world, our families ravaged by disease or whatever. Things come in and suddenly things aren't quite as happy and healthy, right? So we need to be careful of putting things, sometimes we put things on God, promises on him that he's never never actually made to us, but we need to have confidence that every promise that he has made to us, he does keep, he doesn't let any of them go, he fulfills them all. Let's continue looking at the passage. What happens as the, as the storm comes in? Look at verse 37. A, a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. The, the, the wind increases. The waves increase. The boat starts filling up. I'm reminded back to that day of me and my dad, but I, can, I think we can assume this is a far worse storm. Their peril is far worse because, you know, I was scared, but I was like a middle school kid. These are, are skilled fishermen, Men who've been out on the water, and they're terrified. So you know it must be really bad. They, they, they know things are getting bad. And, and can you also, as I was thinking about it, I was also thinking, well, all the disciples weren't fishermen, were they? I was thinking all that day, what, what must it have been like for somebody like Matthew, the tax collector? You know? Like, he may have never, before he met Jesus, he may have never been on a boat before. They didn't go out for joy rides in boats back then, You know? He must have been terrified. Could you imagine if the fishermen are terrified? And then where does it lead to? Verse 38. But Jesus, Jesus is in the stern, asleep on the cushion. We'll we'll get back to to Jesus' asleep in a minute, but let's look at how do the disciples respond to all that's going around them. They, They wake Jesus up and they say to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? These must be some of the harshest words Jesus ever heard. Spoken by his closest friends. Jesus, do you not care? It reveals at that moment we see the lack of the disciples' faith, don't we? And just think of all that they've been through recently, all that they've seen. They've seen Jesus pro- proclaim his kingdom, right? How he's called them to follow him, They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen the incredible fame of, as the crowds have come in around him. They've heard his preaching. They've seen him cleanse the leper. They've seen him heal the paralytic, and not just heal the paralytic, but forgive the paralytic of his sins. They've seen his conversations and heard his conversations with religious leaders. They've seen the opposition surrounded him, and they've stayed with him. And they've remained with him, even amidst the opposition. They've heard the parables most recently. And, and as Jesus said, they, they were given the secret of the kingdom to be able to decipher those parables. They were given Jesus himself. They've been in his presence, and yet they still don't get it. Now, if before the disciples took off across the water, if you'd had a conversation with them and told them about their lack of faith, if you will, they would have probably gotten upset at you. Because they would have thought, hey, we're doing pretty good. We're starting to understand Jesus. You know, we get these secret kind of conversations behind the scenes sometimes with him. You know, if you were to think of it like going to school or something, they, they would have probably thought, you know, yeah, we're kind of like in college now. You know, if you, if you think about that discipleship process in that way, like, hey, we're, we're like probably in college now. We're, we're really getting this. We're, we're getting all this good head information in. And then they, we find out, of course, in our passage this morning that they're really kind of back like in elementary school, right? maybe like second or third grade. They aren't nearly as mature in their faith as they think. And Jesus here is, in a sense, he's taking them to school by taking them into the storm. He's taking them out there to test their faith, but not just to test it, but also to strengthen their faith. You see, this storm is good for the disciples. It's good for them. It's good for their, their growth and their faith in Christ. And yet we see at this moment how weak their faith is though, right? But God's using this opportunity to grow it. As we think through our own life, one of the things that you may have heard me mention it before is sometimes I, I think of this as like we have and the disciples have here up until this point, like they have this head theology, this head understanding, this knowledge about God. And, and the The disciples, their head knowledge, it's growing, right? But what we see in this moment of the storm is what? That that head knowledge hasn't really impacted their heart. Has that head theology, that head belief about God, has it really moved to their heart and and making up their heart theology? You see, it's in the midst of the storm that our heart theology shows what we really believe, not just what we say we believe or what we kind of intellectually seem to assent to, but that which we really embrace. How do you handle crisis in your life? The simple crises that happen every day, maybe, or every week, but then the deep and the difficult ones, maybe as we lose loved ones, or you have very, very difficult issues in the context of your family or a loss of job. Our major financial struggles, whatever it is for you, it's at those moments of great crisis that your heart really begins to show, doesn't it? Have you ever said those words with disciples, "Do you really care?" Now, maybe at times you know better than to say it out loud, because somebody might hear you. No doubt most all of us have said it in our hearts. Do you really care? Is the stuff that we say that we believe, is it just window dressing? Or do we really believe it? Do we really embrace it? And it's during the storms of our life that we find out who we really are. Are things spinning outside of control around us and we're trying to hold it all together because we think we're the ones who have to hold it all together? Or do we trust Him? Sometimes we're, we're very good at trusting God for the past. Have you ever noticed that? Good at trusting God for the past. Like I can look back at my past and the way that God's weaved things together in my life and how he's weaved together some really, really difficult times in my life and how those times have actually been for my good, right? We look back and we see how God has worked all things together for the good in us. What Jesus is teaching his disciples is that they need to learn to do that not just with their past, but with their present. And even as they look at what's, you know, the storm that's coming, <laughs> that even in the midst of that, that we learn to trust him and to, to see his, his goodness amidst the storm. That's harder to do, isn't it? It's easy for us to look in the past. It's much harder for us to be in the present of a great time of, of calamity and crisis and be able to truly trust him. The disciples, they've been in Jesus' presence. Yet when the storm comes, what happens? They crumble, don't they? they? They must have been thinking somewhat like, and you've you've heard it before, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, that conversation between Lucy and and Mr. Beaver, where she finds out about Aslan, the, the king, who's actually a lion, and she begins, wor- becomes worried. Why? Well, because he's a lion, right? And she becomes afraid. Well, uh, what's it going to be like to meet a lion? And... and she asks the question, is he safe? Do you remember what Mr. Beaver says? Safe? Don't you hear what Mr. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about Safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. The disciples, they were learning that in the heat of the storm, that Jesus isn't safe. I mean, there's ways that he is, but in, in the sense that we're talking about this morning, he's unsafe, but he's good. Jesus was teaching his disciples to learn to trust him even amidst the storm. Do any of you, do you remember where you were on April 27th, 2011? Probably not. Adrian and I do, because it was a crazy day. Um, on that day, it was the largest tornado outbreak, 24-hour tornado outbreak in U.S. history. Um, coming through um, the southeast. We were living in Alabama at the time. The largest number of those tornadoes took place in Alabama. There was the greatest number of, at that time, there was the greatest number of deaths from a tornado outbreak since the 1930s. that day, 238 people, or sorry, 316 people died. 238 of them lived in Alabama. It was a rough day in Alabama. There was one storm, an EF, one tornado, an EF-5, that killed the most people, 72 people died because of that one tornado that went on for miles and miles and miles and miles. That tornado came about seven or eight miles from our house. Seven or eight miles being separated from us and it. There are multiple times that day, four or five times that day that the tornado sirens went off and in Decatur, Alabama, when the tornado sirens go off, you go somewhere because that means Reality. It's not just like, oh, there might be a tornado. No, there's a tornado somewhere. You need to hunker down. Without power for days and days, no phones, no cell phone service, nothing. It was just quiet. I remember in the midst of that, I was a couple of days later, once we kind of regrouped a little bit as a church, we um, went, went out to try to help some folks, particularly from this most terrible of the tornadoes. I remember going, we went to this one house where we were helping them clean up. I mean, the house was totally devastated. So was their neighbor's house. We're helping them clean up and pick up the little bit of pieces, trying to salvage the, the few things that weren't destroyed and put into a large heap the things that just needed to be trashed. I remember in a conversation with, I don't remember if it was the owner or their neighbors who were also there, but just remember them asking the question, could there really be a God? And they were a person of faith, the person who believed in Jesus from what I recall of the conversation. But it was one of those moments of just like, could this really be could, could he Could he really be good? I mean, look at what's taking place around us. The disciples are in the midst of a crazy storm and where is Jesus? Verse 38. We already saw it, but let's look at it again. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. There's this crazy storm going on and he's asleep on the cushion. Now, one of the beautiful things about this is this just reeks of eyewitness testimony, doesn't it? We we think that it's likely that Peter is the eyewitness that Mark relied on for a lot of his gospel. And so this is probably maybe Peter's memory of what took place, that it's boiled into his brain. He, He remembers the terror of that day and he remembers looking in the back of the boat and there was Jesus just sound asleep. He can't forget it, the picture of that day. Um, can, 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 you, can, can you imagine? And, and you want to ask, well, well, how could he sleep amidst the storm? How is that even possible? Jesus could sleep because he had complete faith in his Father. He had complete trust in him. He knew that his time wasn't yet. He knew that he was going to have to suffer through an incredible storm ahead. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he had complete faith and trust in his God and he was able to sleep and just rest. And there's a bit of a pattern of, of like people sleeping and not sleeping. You you remember earlier in the Gospel of Mark, you know, everybody else is sleeping and Jesus is up what? Praying. At Jesus' end, do you remember what takes place on the, On that final night in the garden, Jesus is praying, praying his heart out, and he has to keep waking his disciples up because they keep falling asleep. Three times he tries to wake them up, and they just keep falling asleep. The worst storm this world has ever seen was upon them, and they were sleeping through it, and they didn't even realize it. There's a great juxtaposition here between Jesus and the disciples in our story isn't there. The disciples are terrified. And Jesus is asleep, completely calm. Not worried a bit, completely trusting his heavenly father. And he has to hear those words from the disciples in verse 38, "Do I mean do you not care that we are perishing?" Can you imagine those, the ways those words penetrate in his heart? Crushing words. When, when Jesus is the one who would be sweating blood on that night that they kept falling asleep, right? As he was saying to his father in, in Luke 22 Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. And his disciples were sleeping. The one, he, he, he knew his ultimate destination. His destination that he was going to the cross and he hears his closest earthly friends say, do you care? Yes, he cares. He was going to the cross for them and he, at the end he was going to say, it is finished. Oh, he cares. And he cares more deeply than we could ever imagine. You, you, you know that, that most favorite verse, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believe in him should not what? Perish. That very same word. But have eternal life. And the disciples ask him, do you not care that we are perishing? We're, We're dying here and you don't care. Jesus cares. He came to save those who are perishing. So much so that, what does Paul say in Romans, for I am sure That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He cares. And so what does he do? Verse 39 He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace be still. He he talks to the to the wind and the sea like they're people. And he says, Quiet. Hush. And what's the result? And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. It's immediate. Can you imagine? I don't know how fast the wind was going 50, 60 miles an hour. Let's make up a number. From that to complete calm. Not like slowing down, you know, like Jesus gets up and oh, everything just kind of settles down. But it's like from a, a moment of complete terror to just complete peace. Suddenly the sea is calm and glassy. Can, do you see the. It's immediate sudden it's complete at this moment jesus makes clear that he's the creator the one through whom all things were made that have been made when he speaks the wind and the sea recognize his voice they recognize the voice of their creator they're standing in front of the disciples is the creator They're God. And he asked them a question, verse 40. Why? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Do you still not know who I am? Remember, they're going to school. This discipleship thing is a process for them. They don't get it overnight. They're back in second or third grade. They thought they were far more mature than they are. They'll get there. God's taken, Jesus has taken them through it. He's helping them to mature in their faith, and this is a moment for maturity. Maybe they went up a whole school grade this day. Look at their response, verse 41. They were what? <laughs> Filled with a great fear. Literally feared. A great fear. A, a fear that, as one uh, commentator says, is, which is greater than any fear of the storm. Okay, this fear is like a complete categorically different than the fear that they had of the storm. So much so that they they asked the question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, when they woke Jesus up, they were probably expecting him to do something. But not this. Not this radical. And so... They're left in fear and and, and awe filled reverence for the one who is standing before them. That question that they ask, who is this? It's a rhetorical question. And they're learning at that very moment some of the answer to their question. They're asking it because they kind of know a bit of the answer. Do they get it fully? Probably not. But they've seen Jesus' power, his glory in that moment. At that moment, they see Jesus for who he really is. They completely get it? No. Probably not. And like us, they probably quickly forgot it and moved on in a way, right? And they're going to continue to struggle through that as as they grow as disciples, right? Even when we get to one of those climaxes of the, the, the book of Mark where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, does he forget it? Well, in a way... He's gonna be one that scatters, right? As they run away, they, they still don't quite get it, they still have growing to do. You know, we we can be an awful lot like the disciples. We are awful light like them as we go through our process of growing in the faith, as we're discipled and come to move this head stuff, this knowledge to our hearts so that it really affects us we can be so tempted to ask that question, do you really care? Do you really care? As we try to hold our life together, right? Inevitably, it goes out of control as we're trying to hold it together because we think it's on us somehow. And we fail to trust the one who is truly controlling and holding all things together. And in the midst of this story that we're Looking at this morning, let's not forget the big story. Let's not forget the fact that, as we've already mentioned, Jesus is going to a much greater storm, right? There's a much greater storm that is ahead of him. The one that's gonna have him saying, It is finished. As he takes all of our sins upon himself, the most unimaginable storm this world has ever seen, and makes the disciples a little storm. Seems like a little childish story. I don't know what that makes of mine. Because that one to be super childish, I guess. But Jesus is trying in this moment to teach his disciples. To trust him. I mean, just look back to that just, juxtaposition between Jesus sleeping and the disciples filled with fear. Okay? Just think of that. What does Jesus want them to do? What does he hope that this is going to be a part of for their growth is that they're going to begin to look more and more like him. That they are going to be able to, if you will, sleep through the storms in their life. That they are going to be able to trust their great God so much that whenever a great storm arises, that they'll be able to trust Jesus. That they'll be able to trust their great God amidst it all. And it doesn't come immediately, right? I already mentioned, you know, whenever, whenever the rubber meets the road and, and Jesus is taken into custody, they all kind of scatter, don't they? They all kind of go into hiding. They're terrified. But eventually, they, they grow more and more, don't they? So much so that I, in Acts 12, what takes place? James, one of these apostles, one, one, one of these disciples who Jesus was teaching to weather the storms, he was martyred for his faith. And things went so well that Herod decided, hey, let's do that again. And so he brings Peter into custody. No doubt Peter was expecting, and the text seems to lead us to, the expectation was Peter was about to be killed. Okay, he's about to become the next martyr. Jesus had prepared him for this. He'd taken him through a storm, a testing, a a helping him to do this. And of course, the storm we're talking about today is just one of those moments of that growth process for Peter. But just when the text says Herod was about to bring him out, Herod's about to bring him out, what did we find Peter doing? He was asleep. He was sleeping in between two guards. His death was imminent. Now, of course, we know, as the rest of the story, he ends up being rescued, and he probably knew that was a possibility as well, but he wasn't necessarily expecting it. He probably would have assumed his death was imminent. But what does God do? He's teaching, he was teaching Peter to be ready for that day. And so Peter was able to sleep. Okay. How, how, are you able to sleep? I mean that both literally and figuratively, by the way. We need to learn to rest in our great God and trust him. And sometimes that very literally comes out as we struggle to even sleep at night. As we're kept awake with the worries of this life. Wondering, God, how, do you even care? And oh, oh, how he cares. He has shown it on the cross, hasn't he? He has shown us how much that he cares for us. And Jesus was preparing his disciples to be able to find their rest in him, rest in the one who they knew cared for them. So that Paul, for instance, is able to say, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He's able to say that because he was clinging to his great God. He trusted him no matter what, whatever it led to. Are you Are you able to rest in Christ? Are you able to trust him amidst the chaos of your life? Or are you just trying to hold everything together yourself? Or do you truly trust him amidst the storms? The disciples asked a powerful question, a rhetorical one, but an important one. Who then, they say, is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? Everything. Everything in your life depends on your answer to that question. Let's pray. Father,